Hello, welcome to Amanda's Wellbeing Podcast, a podcast where we discuss all things relating to your well-being, including interviews with experts in the fields of nutrition, physical health, mental health, and my five-minute food facts series. I'm Amanda Hayes, your host, a nutritionist with a passion for well-being. Before I introduce today's guests, I will take a moment to let you know that you can subscribe to my podcast on YouTube, hit the red subscribe button, or on your favorite podcast app, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. I will also mention that although I will often be speaking with experts, any information or advice provided in Amanda's Wellbeing Podcast is not intended to be used to treat, cure, or prevent injuries, disease, or medical conditions, and it is not a substitute for advice from your own health professionals. Today, I am here with Maria Harpus and Tim Yeager of Natural Health Medicine. Maria is the director of the Natural Health Medicine Practice, where she is a naturopath and clinical nutritionist. Maria's areas of passion in her work include digestive health and immune health, Plus, she enjoys working with patients with cardiovascular disease and diabetes. Tim is a nutritional medicine specialist and a Bredesen Protocol certified practitioner. And I'll get Tim to explain to you what that means. Tim's specialty is treating cognitive decline and many other issues, including gastrointestinal function, autoimmunity and fatigue. Obviously, there is so much ground we could potentially cover from the treatment of allergies to disease management, and indeed we will touch on some of those issues, but for today's episode we've decided to focus on the impact of diet on health and the clinical roles of Tim and Maria as natural health practitioners in assessing what sort of diet or way of eating is going to help a particular client. Before we dive into that, I would like Tim and Maria to let our listeners know a bit about their paths to becoming natural health practitioners. So Maria, if I could please start with you, I believe you used to work in the travel industry and now you're a clinical nutritionist and a naturopath. What inspired this change in career? Yeah, thanks Amanda. So um, I started in travel and loved um, what I was doing there and then I moved to from Travelland to ANSET and of course um, I had just fallen pregnant and um, ANSET went under. Yes, and I know. So, yeah, and so that inspired me to start studying. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had already started having a lot of interest in natural health because I was suffering a lot of allergies, so um, hay fever I would have all year round, not just in the hay fever season. And I was really um, coming up against um, a lot of problems with normal conventional medicine Mm -hmm. in terms of it was just continual antihistamines. And when I wasn't taking them, I felt like I was getting worse. Um, And so that really... um, got me started on looking into natural therapies and and that's where it went and initially really as a hobby and just to help myself yes 
and now you know 10 11 years um, of clinical practice yeah, and it's your um, life it's yeah that's right it's and you have helped yourself and, to, uh, I yes, assume yes yes, <laughs> yes my gut is in way better nick now <laughs> oh, that's um, great. so that's good um it's a journey we're always improving and changing things and you know the more you know um, with Tim, we're always looking at yeah our, yeah our pathology and what's going on and how we can change and improve. Yeah. So it's really good. There is so yeah. much to know. I think it's um, as you Absolutely. say, it's a continuing journey. I think yeah. in this area, particularly, more information comes to light all the time. That's right. Yeah. So, and Tim, what about you? Um, I know that your journey has encompassed microbiology, immunology, public relations. Mm and lacrosse so yeah, quite yeah. a spectrum there so yeah. what led you to becoming a nutritional uh, medicine specialist yeah, I, I sort of don't know where to start but um <laughs> th thanks for having us i just like oh, to say i'm really pleasure. really excited to be here and this is my first podcast i know maria's done some um, interviews in that is this your first ever podcast yeah yeah oh, so, hopefully uh, it won't be your last <laughs> um you know, we, we heard, you know, Maria talking about her journey and um, something that I was thinking about uh, even on the way down here uh, was there was when I was I was worked in London and lived in London for three and a half years at one stage. And there was a client of mine, a massage client. I did work there, rem remedial massage work. Uh, and she was a. Um, the accountant for Sylvester Stallone for some oh, of his right. movie productions. And she said to me, she said to me something like, um, everything that you're doing now, uh, all your experiences that you're having and you will have, they're, they're going to mean something to you. They're going to be of real benefit further along in your life. And it really resonates with me now that she was sort of true. And she said, mm. you won't, you won't realize it. And working with people, um, uh, knowing the things that I've seen and I have this, this other sort of perspective. And I know Maria talks about it all the time as well. Uh, knowing how to relate to people. And mm -hmm. I think that's so much a big part of what we do, you know, building this relationship. Yeah. Um, going back to how did I get to nutritional medicine, um, I was always interested in sports and science. Mm -hmm. And I went to university after school and studied. Uh, my majors were pharmacology that was one subject and the other one was immunology uh, microbiology virology mm -hmm. and i went into working at the was called the uh, adelaide children's hospital back then um and in the immunology department mm -hmm. i did research on of all things malaria oh, you know right. and, I, and I even have some yeah. papers with my name on it somewhere <laughs> i think and yeah towards the end of my time at the hospital working in the in the immunology department i actually did a remedial massage course mm -hmm. and i went overseas to london and lived there like i was saying for three and a half years and worked in you know top hotels like uh the dorchester and claridge's and worked at the chelsea harbour club at one time and i really had a good time and had a lot of experiences there and i came back and i worked in the same sort of area um and a friend of mine also had said to me uh, you should become a firefighter. And he said, oh, you know, it's a really good lifestyle and you get a lot of time to do everything else. And I was getting, I wanted wanted something else in my mm -hmm. life as well. So I was actually thinking of getting into more business stuff. And that's how I did my grad diploma, graduate diploma in communications in public relations. 
And just as I was finishing that, I actually got into the fire service. And I've been like a firefighter at the South Australian Metropolitan Fire Service for 17 years. You know, in 17 fact, years, I'm going, wow. <laughs> That's actually how we met, but I'll fill you in on that story a bit later. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, through that time, you know, getting back to nutritional medicine. So what what led me back to what is really a passion, you know, mm. the science and, and the clinical stuff was... Uh, my father-in-law getting diagnosed with Alzheimer's dementia. Mm -hmm. And the thing was, you know, I remember the date, you know, 20th of August, 2010. Mm -hmm. And I'd had a book that I bought two years before about Alzheimer's and I'd never read it yet. And from that point, I started reading. Is it this? No, not. Yeah. Uh, it might have been. It might have been this. The Alzheimer's solution. Amanda's holding I've a book in front of. <laughs> pulled a few books down from my shelf. <laughs> And I started reading and I just never stopped reading and listening to science and health. And, but always, it was always a clinical focus though, you know, yes. therapeutic focus. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I've uh, decided that's, that's what I want to do. Uh, so I did an advanced diploma in nutritional medicine. Um, I met, you know, I have a great mentor now in Maria yes. and colleague. Uh, and yeah, that's, that's sort of how I came across being a you know, practitioner. Yeah, so I would say it's a fairly long and winding road, but you have mm. found your true passion in yeah. life, which yeah. is clear. Yeah. Um, so if we move on to um, counselling patients and in particular looking at their diet. So Maria, when a client comes to see you, it can usually be assumed that they're there because there's something that's not quite right. It might be an actually um, a diagnosed disease like diabetes or they're just not feeling, you know, as if things are going right for them. So yeah, that's right. where do you begin? Like, how? what do you do? Can you outline that process for us? Yeah, sure. So um, the, both of those reasons are why people come. Mm -hmm. Either they've been diagnosed with something or um, uh, they're not feeling 100% and they don't really know why and they don't have a diagnosis. Yes. Um, and so... The first thing that we do is we want to go through and really get an understanding of what's happened to a person through their life, mm -hmm. um, you know, with their health history, um, but not just not just whether they've been unwell. Um, we also want to know their habits, their, um, yes. you know, what they sleep like, what did they sleep like when they were younger, what illnesses they had when they were younger, what what sort of illnesses are in the family mm -hmm. history so we sort of start to get an idea about um, risks yes um, so that then starts to direct what testing that we might do is it a bit so, like putting a jigsaw together yes it's lots actually, of different pieces yeah it? Tim always says that actually yeah. that it's like you know putting the pieces of a jigsaw down yeah. and trying to work it out so yeah so we're trying to we, we, we sort of work out what type of um, predisposition someone has mm -hmm. so for instance if we're looking at someone like me you know that history of allergy yeah for instance and we want to um, go off and actually um, we can do really simple tests that doctors can um, do mm -hmm. um, and we like to start with the simple um, tests mm -hmm. where we you know where necessary before we get to more expensive testing because um, a lot of times it doesn't always have to go to that mm -hmm. and um, it gives us a bit of an idea are we actually dealing with full-blown allergy or right. actually 
is the allergy marker that we would measure in the blood um, normal? And is it possible that we're dealing with someone that can't clear histamine, for instance? Right. Or, yeah. So it starts to, we start to be able to narrow down mm-hmm. where the issues are. Then the then what we need to do is start to decide what things need to be changed. And like you said before, we have... Um, focused on six major areas yes. and obviously diet is yeah. one of the biggest ones and the most controversial in terms of what should we eat yes. and how we should be eating and I know we're mm. going to sort of cover that later. So we look at diet, um, we look at sleep, um, we look at um, stress management, mm-hmm. we look at you know how well people, because stress is perceived and so we really look at um uh, what tools people have to manage stress, mm. um, which is important. Um, we look at social connection mm-hmm. and human connection. I think yes. that gets forgotten in the whole health. Yeah, it does. Um, uh, when we're looking at health issues. And then we look at environmental influences. You know, now we've got Wi-Fi, we've got chemicals and additives in foods yes. and things that really our ancestors didn't have mm. and weren't mm. dealing with. And so it's... We then start to decide what are the few things we can start with to change that are going to have the biggest impact. Yeah, because if you say to someone you've got to change these 20 things, it's too hard. Oh, we don't. Yeah, absolutely. That's just crazy. Yeah. And um, not many of us would do that and maintain or sustain doing it. Yeah. You know, there'll be – it's much better as well – to start make, making a few changes and see what that gives us. Yes, and if it has a positive result, then that's right. They're more likely the, to continue. Yeah, that's mm. right. And then we add on. So yes. yeah. So we might start to look at things like diet. And if someone really finds it hard to change their diet, we might look at what they're, how they're um, putting their diet together. For instance, mm, you mm. know, we might say, well, let's look at um, three good meals a day you know, stop eating after dinner or, yeah. So we really sort of look at the habits around that and that Mm. can make a big difference. So not everybody, I think we have to match what the changes, even though they have to be slow, we've also got to match the changes to the severity of the condition that we're dealing with. Sometimes I think uh, people, um, unless it's pointed out to them, they may not realise that the habit that they're in is unhelpful yeah that's oh absolutely Mm. and uh, um you know us humans i think we're pretty good at being um we can do anything if we put our mind to it in terms of changing habits but it's not always easy to do and i i feel one of our jobs is to really help people um think about other ways of doing things that sometimes they wouldn't have even thought of yeah yeah. And, and and that can be really powerful. And I think the fact that they've come to see you is is really sending a message that they're willing to change. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think my you know, I mean most people uh, are willing to change. I think sometimes when people don't come it's interesting when people comment on oh, I've delayed delayed coming. Um, because they're scared that they won't be able to do it. Yeah, that fear and, of and failure. And that's so interesting. And yeah. I think because they think that they're going to be told to do all these things and then if they can't. And so we definitely – I'm not a purist, firstly. Um, and so 
Uh, I'm, I really like, you know, what's the minimum that we have to do to get the maximum outcome. Yeah. And I think that's a good place to um, start and understand. And then we can build on that absolutely from there if we want to but it's always good to know actually it's only eggs for instance that really bothers me Mm. rather than taking everything always out of the diet because you don't know so we try to get people to understand what are the things that are being a problem and even though initially we do elimination diets Mm. and things like that they're short-lived they should never be long-term unnecessarily yeah you know there are instances and it's very individual individualized how we put things together because it's also based on what someone can manage exactly Um, and we're all different we're all different we've all had yeah different rearing and there's different things even between tim and i you know we talk about what i would tolerate doing is different to what tim would tolerate doing what we're dealing with in terms of our health you know it's sort of sometimes you sort of go no i'm not willing to sacrifice that and yeah i think everyone's got the right to choose that you know our job is to just is to sort of say well if you do this you could get this outcome yeah because we see it all the time we know what the likely outcomes are yes so yeah oh, that that sounds like a really thorough and consultative approach so. yeah and and tim what about you like how do you approach a client when they come to see you like, mm. what's your process mm. well i mean because i'm specializing with um, alzheimer's dementia so it's a little bit different and but i agree with everything maria's mm. talking about and we're always having this sort of discussion and conversation and and a big part of it is collecting a lot of data with alzheimer's yes. you know the labs the history, the symptoms, and and uh, that jigsaw puzzle that you're talking about. So, just to just to interrupt a little bit, when you see a patient with Alzheimer's or uh, mild cognitive impairment, I assume they come with a, a friend or a partner. Often, do they? Or yeah, I, actually, I don't think I've seen anybody that hasn't because, come. With yes, because their... I think could they manage? Oh, actually, or... no. I'll take that back. So. There's two people that I've seen, but they're coming just for prevention. Right. Two younger uh, people. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Has it run in their families or? One, the younger one, yes, it, it seems to be that runs in the family. Mm. And the other one read Dale Bredesen's oh, The End really? of Alzheimer's. And she was so excited that she, I want to do a cognoscopy. You know, I want to look mm. at all my risk factors and make sure that this is something that I'm not heading towards. And mm. actually, sorry, I keep interrupting you, Tim, no, no. but <laughs> I did mention in the introduction that you um, you prescribe, if that's the right word, the Bredesen Protocol. So perhaps mm. you can just tell us what that is mm. and then continue on. Um, you know, Dr. Dale Bredesen, uh, neurodegenerative researcher from America, uh, just sort of finished the book, The End of Alzheimer's, and he... His passion was researching. He wanted to know why Alzheimer's is con- uh, occurring from a, a biochemical sort of perspective. Mm-hmm. And his, you know, because the, the diagnosis of Alzheimer's uh, is just based on pathology. And, you know, and that was done in the 1950s. Right. And he, you know, he was in the lab working out the biochemistry to what actually happens, you know, with the beta amyloid accumulation, what causes that, mm. you know, what other factors uh, are contributing to this pathology that we, we we find with Alzheimer's. And his wife, who's a functional medicine doctor in America, mm-hmm. he always said to him, 
Dale, you know, it's it's going to be it's not going to be one magic bullet, which is what the scientists yeah. are trying to chase. It's going to be lifestyle, diet, you know, inflammation. Of course. Yeah. And guess what? You know, 25 years later, it sort of dawned on him my wife was actually right because everything <laughs> oh, they go found women. <laughs> <laughs> because everything that he found directed him back to these sort of changes that we can make with lifestyle and diet and and we need to at times prescribe hormones for trophic support you know um signaling support for the growth of neurons yeah. um yeah so he's based he's based his uh treatment of alzheimer's on there's four sort of main sort of categories you know type one is a inflammatory type condition uh, type 1.5 is actually in between the one and, and the type two. Type two is a loss of um, growth sort of support. Mm-hmm. So that's hormones, even vitamin D, insulin resistance. And 1.5 is when you actually have like pre-diabetes or even right. diabetes. So you're not getting that insulin yeah. support that you need. And it's it's 1.5 because it also has inflammation associated with that. So it very uh, much links into lifestyle, obviously. Absolutely. Mm. And then the third one, which, you know, we talk about as being the hardest to treat is this type three, a toxic sort of presentation, whether whether that's uh, heavy metals, you know, right. mercury mm-hmm. is the biggest sort of contributor uh, or even biotoxins and organic toxins that we have to sort of look for and search for. Right. Oh, there's so many things, isn't there? But anyway, back to how, so how do you, patient comes to see you and you, collect the data mm, and then what's mm. what's next so yeah the data is telling us something it's telling us the directions you know are they and it's never a pure type 1 1.5 2 or 3 mm-hmm. it's never pure there's always contributions from multiple areas right. so you know we go back to what maria was talking about um i we need a dietary change yeah. more often than not. And the default for Alzheimer's is actually a ketogenic diet, which yeah. we'll probably talk about mm. later on. But it's, you know, basic lifestyle and diet. And I might, um, you know, stress management, exercise as part of the program, uh, meditation or mm-hmm. walks in nature. They're actually part of the real deal with the real treatment yeah. for what we want to do. And, and you know, we're addressing... The inflammation that we find you know we mm. might find sleep apnea and, and i have yes. like numerous times already yeah. uh gut infections uh we might find um you know, nutrient deficiencies that we have to correct so that's all the basic sort of things that we would start with and then it's about um maria sort of touched on it it's it's we're looking under the hood and yeah. seeing what's underlying and then we're just addressing, we're correcting this dysfunction. Mm. And it's really... Step by step. Yeah, step by step. Mm. And it's a, and the diet and lifestyle isn't window dressing. It's the real... It's real. Yeah, it's the yeah. real therapeutic thing. And mm. it works for everybody mm. at some level. Yeah. I was just going to say to that, I think um, it's... Until I started practicing, I didn't realise how powerful diet and sleep and um, all the things, all this lifestyle medicine, Mm. um, all these lifestyle medicine techniques, how important they are. You know, nothing can really um, 
trump them. Yeah. You, know, you have to have those in place. You do. And I think the trouble with going to see a conventional doctor is, first of all, they don't have a lot of time to consult. Mm. And secondly, they don't often look at the big picture. I mean, some doctors do. My GP's brilliant and she does, but not all of them do. No, and I think um, it's not their area of training. Exactly. And I think that's the big thing. Their area is to diagnose. Um, they're fantastic. You know, I always say, like, if I have an accident, take me to the yeah. nearest doctor. Um, or if I'm in a life-threatening type of situation, you know, with a virus or bacterial or something, that it, yeah. it's, it's like something's got to happen now it doesn't matter if it's due to things that I've done but you know it's got to be fixed now Mm. and you know and that's great and um, there is a real place for um, making sure because we work with a lot of GPs um, to make sure that we've got them picking up things that might be quite serious that may need initial um, treatment for yeah. now medically until we can come in and do other things. But in saying that, there's also just it's astounding about how many things can be resolved with lifestyle medicine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I that's one of the things I really like about your practice is that dialogue you have with GPs because sometimes in this world there can be a bit of a divide, like mm. some GPs are very anti-natural health, mm. for example. So... It's good to find GPs that will have that open dialogue. And and I think because we're quite, you know, the approach is quite sensible and you can't argue with a scientific and Mm. scientific. You can't argue with that. So and we don't I don't we don't make any excuses for that. You know, when I'm talking to a doctor, it's like, well, this person's actually only sleeping three hours and and they've got anxiety and they've got depression and um, uh, and they're actually eating high sugar foods, um, which we know affects mood Mm. and we know sleep deprivation affects mood. And so um, before we start going to heavy medication, unless, of course, you know that's required suicidal or there's you know there's things that we we should be um coming in and sorting those things out immediately they are number one priority things to be sorted and so um i think that gets this this idea when i hear people saying i don't believe in natural therapies i kind of go well you don't believe in eating then you, you don't, don't believe, believe in, in sleeping <laughs> you don't believe that you need to have other humans around you yeah. you don't believe i mean it's a ridiculous comment yes. and it just shows the lack of understanding really. yeah that's what it shows it, it's not a competitive thing no you know that that's the thing it's, it just shows that perhaps that person making the comment doesn't as you say doesn't really understand what natural therapies are yeah that's right yeah. that's right and and i get you know there's always this conversation as well around um supplements you know we want to treat things with the lifestyle things first yes and then we um use supplements therapeutically where we need to but yes. then we always want to move people to more whole food supplements mm. and then um diet yeah diet can. yeah yeah well that might be a good point to start talking a bit about diet so um one of the things that i know is really tricky is changing dietary habits you know i mean (laughs) even with all the knowledge that we have i still eat chocolate i drink coffee i drink alcohol you know (laughs) because i enjoy those things 
Uh, if you have clients who really need to make a change to their diet for their health, what kind of tools do you have? How, how can you support them through that? Yeah, sure. So I think the first thing is, is for us to sort of understand we're pleasure-seeking organisms, <laughs> right? So, you know, we move. Yeah, we're hardwired. Yeah, yeah, we're hardwired that way. So we move to pleasure, we move away from pain. And so, um, and then we've got habits as well that we've um, learnt growing up and mm. developed ourselves as well. And so um, I always like initially some education because that can be powerful. Yeah. So, um, for instance... So, you know, eating chocolate, for instance, if it if the dose comes to this level, this is what it does to your insulin levels. This yeah. is what it does to your blood sugar levels and having a look at that. And so, you know, sometimes the first step is just let's lower the dose. Yeah. Right. Or yeah. and or let's look at other things that will be satisfying. Yeah. Um, so as that that becomes less attractive. When I changed my diet, I was a sugar addict in my 20s. Um, so I would literally be putting three tablespoons of sugar into my cereal. Um, and I'd, even though we didn't know a lot about sugar back mm. then, um, I didn't want to, I knew that it wasn't right. Yeah. Um, but I didn't want to say anything because I didn't want people telling me that I shouldn't do it. Mm. Right. Mm. Because I felt that it was unquenchable. I needed it. Because yeah. the craving. And it was a habit for you. And, and it was a habit. Mm. And so. Once I started understanding and reading, actually, the more fats you put in your diet, the more satisfied you get, the less cravings, um, and the more consistently um, that you're ensuring that you've got decent amounts of proteins and fats mm. throughout the day um, and real food. I, I sort of heard yeah. someone talking about how some of our foods now, healthy foods have become dessert foods really. Yeah. Um, and so we have to watch that mm. as well with all the, you know, high doses of almond milk and coconut milk we're yeah. having. And I'm not sure that we were really designed to have them in the quantities that we are. Yeah, I um, absolutely agree with yeah. that. Mm. And so it's it's starting to we, – we give ideas on how to start to change yep. things like that. So, okay, let's start increasing the amount of fats you have mm -hmm. or let's start increasing the protein you have. Let's make the food more – let's have fun with the food. Yeah. Make the food more interesting because I think um, if food – is too boring you, you're going to keep going back to those other foods that are not so attractive yeah. you know I really don't all the food that I've left behind I, I hardly ever look at now you know because I've got this big array of beautiful different foods yeah. that I'm I can put together really quickly as well um so yeah so yeah. it's giving tips like that um to help them and we've got lots of them that yes, we give you know lots sure of little things like that that we start to help people with and and finding the thing that that person will be most drawn to yes you know so antipastor you know get people to have lots of different antipastor sort of Ooh, things yum. like artichokes and yeah. asparagus on hand olives and dips because then, you know, and, and people really light up when they hear that yeah. um, and eating that instead of sugars. You know, yeah. they're quite happy to, to move to those things. Yum. But you've got to have them in the home. Of course. That's you know. part of it, isn't it? Yeah. And Tim, do you have any comments on, um, on yeah. that, supporting I mean, you, you clients? Yeah, probably uh, tools, you know, mm. um, quick start guides and meal plans and recipes and shopping lists mm -hmm. and 
I think, though, it, it's about building this therapeutic relationship with a person, really yeah, connecting. Yeah, it's got to be, hasn't yeah. it? Keeping it real, keeping it practical, being human, you know, all these things that Maria's already sort of talked about. And like an other sort of tools is, Maria talks about it all the time, is we need to give options and solutions. You know, that's that's our job. And yeah. Maria's really like the queen of this like i call it i call it one of her superpowers like literally like a client never walks away without an option and a solution you know and that's our job there's a clinician that i heard once say you know we're not paid um for what we say we're paid for what we know you know yeah well our job is to distill the essence of what Mm -hmm. is needed Mm -hmm. and then coach someone through you know a health coach them through this problem with you know these tools that we've sort of talked about you know, Maria's talked about we need the broadest, most flexible diet possible for someone. But with Alzheimer's, we don't have that flexibility yeah, anymore. That's that's right, yeah, that's very interesting. That's taken away from us, that freedom of, of being. Uh, we don't have that negotiation anymore. Mm. So, you know, the default that I've talked about is uh, a low-carb, you know, ketogenic approach. Mm. And that's not easy because it's no, so restrictive. It's it's, and also it's quite different from the way a lot of people have eaten in the mm, past. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you know simplifying this journey for the people that's that's really important so tim if we touch on the ketogenic diet in relation to alzheimer's how do you get someone started with that and and how hard is it to change i mean Mm. i guess that depends on the person Mm. but Mm. it's a pretty big motivating factor marie was just whispering little steps you know small steps incremental steps and and for when someone comes in it will be okay what the foundation what what can we you know take away that we need to take away uh, let's have a whole food diet Let, let's make it nutrient dense to start with let's take out the inflammatory foods you know the, the glutens you know is is necessary for alzheimer's the dairy even um what do we put in the diet what should we yeah. concentrate on you know yeah. the, the, the good quality meats the good fats you know loads of vegetables you know, and even if we just do that, we're actually more than halfway there. Mm-hmm. You know, and that that's a lot of changes still. Yeah. But it's it's little steps. Well, you, what I was going to say to that as well is that um, we, you know, an athlete doesn't become an athlete overnight. And so making changes to our lives and um, and starting to look at them differently. So it's not just, oh, I have to do this to, to feel better, but more moving in and enjoying it and starting to really um, embrace um, doing things differently because the way we eat now is just so different to how we were designed to be eating. Um, And knowing that it is sometimes two steps forward, one step back, but when you look back at where you've come from as you keep journeying Mm. through, it's exciting, but to know... It's not, you're not going to become the best eater (laughs) overnight. Uh, There's no way because you don't have, I've got, you know, clients that come in with the best, they're so excited and sometimes they do want to do a hardcore cleanse or a, you know, something quite strict and, yeah, we use that energy that they've got and that excitement they've got to do that. Um, But when they come out of that, it's that thing of, um, 
they don't have anything to fall back on yet because they no, haven't learnt yet. They haven't changed to, the habits. Yeah, to change the habits. So it's sort of their left, you know, until yep. we, yeah, help teach them and train them to, yeah, mm-hmm. do do and have things there mm-hmm. at their disposal, yeah. And even going back to, you know, giving these options and solutions, I, I know Maria also and, and I have to even more so, uh, you have to keep your eye on the goal yeah. And and the biochemistry still and watch what's happening and yes, a step back, but we have to keep moving in this forward direction yeah. all the time. Yeah. Uh, another tool that I've done, an, an exception was uh, I actually had a, a home appointment where we cooked lunch together. So we talked about what was happening. We talked about things that we needed to do, but we actually cooked food that was going to be That's good to a eat. Brilliant way to do a so, consultation. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so it's powerful, very yes. powerful, and it it goes into that social interaction yeah. and and how often do we gather around food and prepare food together? So, yeah, we 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 talked about this in in a clinic setting how we could maybe even have you know cooking demonstrations yeah. and have people gather and at the same time educate them about yeah. the food. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, see it, taste it, yeah. do it, cook it. Yeah, it's really good. It's good for you. Mm. So while we're talking about diet, and Maria's already touched on this, so different people respond to different diets and may need to eliminate certain foods or add some in. So how do you gauge um, what's the best or most appropriate diet for a particular client? Yeah, okay, so... There's the, the three main things that um, really direct what diet, because diet is so controversial. It okay? is. From keto to vegan to carnivore now to uh, paleo. Yeah. I mean, it's out there. I think the first main thing is whole food eating. Yeah, you can't right. argue with you that, whichever with that. camp you're in. And yeah. so, and that can be, I'm not sure that people always understand what that really is, but foods basically um, in the way that nature has got them. And, and yeah. I guess ultimately that's raw food, isn't yeah. it? But So then it becomes how processed a food is, mm. what oils it's cooked in. You know, there's big problems with the types of oils being used now. Um, and so... Um, yeah, having foods as whole as possible because you can have a very um, junk food vegan diet like you can have a junk food paleo diet or a carnivore diet if it's not. So I think the type of diet is one thing, but actually making sure that it's whole foods yeah, and so that's kind the of right. the, the baseline. That's the baseline, yeah. no additives and, um, and, and not um, – yeah. So there are and not a high sugar diet. Mm. So it's easily with all of them. I mean, paleo's still got dried fruit and fruit in it. Mm. Someone could just live on that all day. Yeah, okay. So say they're paleo and say they're paleo. So you know, and uh, a vegan diet can be just white refined products. Um, Yeah, yeah, Yeah. exactly. So you know, it cooked in. I found out some really. fancy oils now like cottonseed oil you know this is not this is not healthy eating yeah right Mm. so that's the first thing that we fix up Mm. right and and that's really important and sometimes um doing that first with what someone's already used to doing 
you know, can be enough for some people, Mm. but not in Tim's area. Like Tim said, that's a different um, ball game. Um, So we 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 then decide by their symptoms. So if someone is more allergy prone or autoimmune. Mm Um, or cardiovascular, so there's a lot of um, cardio-inflammatory markers and things like that, that's going to um, decide on the diet, what type of diet. Um, We then look at the pathology, so we're looking under the bonnet, so if they're iron deficient, if they're B12 deficient, if if, um, autoimmune markers are elevated, that's going to direct it. And um, also then back to what we've all been talking about, what can they manage? Yes. Right. And so even even with what, you know, for Alzheimer's, and um, we still have to um, give them things at the rate they can manage. We just mm. tr- try to make it a bit quicker, don't we, Tim? <laughs> well, there's you a know, necessity Because there's to... a necessity yeah. to do yeah. that. And so that's and, – and basically with everyone, that's what we're looking at is what can you manage? This is the sort of diet we're going to go to. Yeah. Will want to move to yeah, and I guess personal preferences as well. Oh, absolutely, and and yeah. knowledge in terms yeah. of cooking skills and all those things come well, into it. You know, there were stages um, with my health where um, it was, uh, you know, you're not having a good time. Yeah, with what you what you feel you have to do, and so you want to have fun with it. You want to sort of go well, okay. So if this is really, you know, what are the we try and prioritize this for you is really not good. Mm. We have to take it off the agenda, off of yeah. what you do. So, um, yeah, we want to sort of try and make it fit. And I guess if you say this is not good for you, the other thing you can do is replace it with something that is good. So mm. we always yeah, do that. Yeah, I thought you would. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I know an example uh, not that long ago, you know, or Maria sort of mentioned again, um, someone with a lot of anxiety and just taking out caffeine and coffee was all that was needed, <gasps> like literally. No, no, but literally. Yeah, yeah. And, and interesting with that is we don't realise how much caffeine is in all our foods because it's not just coffee. Um, or black tea, it's yeah. green tea, it's chai um, tea, yeah, it's also in cacao, the beautiful, healthy. Yeah. So sometimes I've got mothers that come in that are giving their kids these beautiful um, um, cacao yeah, smoothies mm. oh, or, right. just, or things after dinner and then they're wondering why the child can't sleep. And so these are the things that we yeah. – that's why we need to look at it all and go, okay, this is – a possibility of what could be happening. Yes, mm. and it comes back to knowledge, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't give that to your child if you knew that it had no. caffeine in it. Of course not, yeah. Mm. Yeah, sorry, Tim. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, there's a term that I really like, uh, jerf, just eat real food. Yeah. You know, if you can it's pick Michael it. Michael Pollan. <laughs> <laughs> if you can pick it, cut it up, kill it, dress it, cook it, that's sort of a really easy way of thinking about what real food is. And I know we've talked about... Um, you know, should everybody be, be everybody be on a ketogenic diet? And I think the answer to that is, you know, probably not. But mm. I'll, I'll also say that I reckon that the majority of people, and majority I mean greater than 50% of people, could benefit from a lower carbohydrate diet. You know, not ketogenic. Uh, and why do I say that? You know, I say that because of the rates of obesity and diabetes and cardiovascular disease. We see that increasing all around us. So, and I think a lower carb diet would actually be beneficial for all of those sort of conditions. I think carbs have been 
much maligned actually as well. And I think it's important to understand the different types of carbohydrate because obviously there's carbohydrate in vegetables, but they're good for you. But having a packaged cake, which is full of carbs, is not. (laughs) And it's about your risks and, um, yeah, where your health is at the time and what you've got to really look at and consider for sure. Sure. I mean, with Alzheimer's as well, you know, it's, you know, we have that default ketogenic diet that we have to sort of a low carb diet that we have to uh, uh, move towards and doing that just like we were talking about through through that initial introduction of a whole food you know nutrient dense mm. anti-inflammatory diet is really important um, and I really I think about you know choosing a diet you know there's there's a little bit of genetics in play but it's it's more the majority, you know, 80, 90% is about the environment that we find that person that you've gone through life with, you know, that that sleep, you know, are you eating a lot of junk food? Mm. Uh, Do you have a toxic sort of burden? Uh, Are you under huge stress? Or are you a professional athlete doing high intensity exercise that would actually need to fuel some of that with Mm. some good whole food carbohydrates so they're all the environmental or the external sort of factors exactly it's a jigsaw puzzle Mm. but just while we're on the keto diet um tim could you tell me what what do you see in in the treatment do you see um reversal do you see plateauing in terms of ongoing decline or how how does it manifest um we, we talk about you know ketogenic diet is therapeutic for you know insulin resistance so is fasting you know whether that's intermittent fasting or longer fasting uh the ketogenic diet uh, is a is a is another form of energy for the brain and the neurons Mm -hmm. but it also helps synapse uh, synapse connections Mm -hmm. uh it's it's lower in oxidative stress um it lowers inflammation so it has all these other um genetic changes and effects not just in the amount of carbohydrates in the body and the lowering of insulin. So that's that's what Bredesen is finding. It's very beneficial for the disease uh, and getting you know certain levels of ketones in the body is, is sort of what we're aiming for. How does that help the patients? Do they have you seen sort of a reversal or I think um, it's I think it's it, can um, it be I don't know if it can be it's 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 a whole it's a complete package though right like and depending on how far along in the disease mm-hmm. you'll see changes actually I, I spoke to a client just this morning and he isn't even in a in a ketogenic diet but we found severe sleep apnea apnea we found uh, a stomach infection uh, we found um, insulin resistance so he's he's just gone on a paleo sort of template you know, just whole foods. And he actually said uh, he does a lot of stock exchange stuff still, right. you know, and he had, there's all these passwords that he has to remember and he wasn't able to remember them. Mm-hmm. He, he had them all written down. He actually said to me this morning, he said, I've actually remem- memorized all these wow. passwords again. Mm-hmm. And I'm Gosh, like, that's, that's, exciting. that's really that exciting. exciting. Yeah. And I, I was also going to say, Amanda, like we can give different advice um, to two different people. So, you know, yeah. for one person, fasting is appropriate. Um, and then for another person, it's like absolutely no way mm. are you to fast. Yeah. And so because there's so much information out there and people do come to us with a lot of information and, and one of our jobs is to decide whether that is a good fit for them. For them, even yeah. if, if And it can also change in your life cycle as well. Mm. So sometimes we're doing something and then it's like, no, that's not appropriate now. 
Now yeah. I've got to change direction. And I think that's one of the skills that is impossible to get from the internet yeah you can't, of course you can't put it into context for you that's right yeah and as you say lifestyle like life cycle sorry so if someone's trying to get pregnant that's very different different from yeah someone trying to lose weight or with alzheimer's disease yeah, or that's right you know. or someone with really chronic fatigue you yeah. know it, it's what we're going to get them to do is going to be different yeah yeah i mean even maria said to me the other day you know with this ketogenic diet and uh, you know, if we don't find someone moving into ketosis easily within, you know, a shorter space of time, and it's even more important with Alzheimer's, uh, well, if we deprive the body of a glucose source for neurons, and then we deprive it, we're not making ketone bodies, which is oh, the other right. energy yes. source, mm. then we're actually starving the brain from two different directions. Yeah. So we have to really think about what yeah. we're about to do. Good and point. can we can we adjust and make sure that they're into ketosis or do we then go okay let's take a step back for a little while and just introduce some whole food carbohydrates again and that's appropriate because we're assessing what's happening and that's why i think it's so important to be guided by a health professional Mm. in that pathway and a lot of um a lot of people that go on keto like when people come to me and they 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 go i'm doing keto and i check their ketones on the machine they're not in ketosis at all right and so um because they don't actually really understand what Mm, that means mm. and so um yeah it's exactly what you said we have to rethink whether that's appropriate yeah i mean a little 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 hint that you might be in ketosis apart from actually measuring your blood ketones would be a real cognitive um, spike in your attention and your ability to focus for you know 24 7 well i think we probably need to start wrapping this up but um a few just a couple more questions do either of you have any inspiring stories that you can share with us oh sure (laughs) i've got lots Um, (laughs) i'm sure you do in, in what we've done to help people yes oh sure so um, we've had, I've had a few clients whose gallbladders were going to be removed mm-hmm. and we've saved that. Wow. One was actually a celiac, undiagnosed. Oh, you're joking. And so did not need a gallbladder removal. Mm. Um, I think, gen, you know, 90% of the time um, I just get so excited when people feel better their energy is better it transfers to their whole life i'm sure and you know how they are with their families how they can manage things so you know that is just common for us all the time that's great to see yeah Mm. yeah and so that 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 is exciting they're the that's the generally big things that we always hear and see and understanding food and developing a different relationship with food and because sometimes when women are always dieting um they have such a horrible relationship with food they don't even know how to have fun it's like a war and yeah it's guilt every Mm. time they put something in their mouth and that's just no way to live no it's certainly not no and so it's it's beautiful when we start to change that um yeah i suppose for me uh, sort of early days with treating Alzheimer's. I mean, uh, I just told you about the the guy, the guy that I'm yeah. seeing with the remembering his passwords now. Um, but things like the severe sleep apnea, that's that's common. I've picked that up so many times now. Yeah, very There's interesting. like 70, 80% of people with sleep apnea are undiagnosed. 
Um, I had another lady that we had a dental sort of checkup and she had periodontal disease. So a lot of inflammation. But if that was left a little bit longer, she would have lost all her teeth. Oh, dear. So I forget about the cognition, you know, these quality of life sort of things that we're picking up. Uh, Another another person had uh, blood in the stool, um, was a gut infection. It was actually H. pylori. So we treat that and all of a sudden, you know, it was probably an ulcer and and that will change. So all these little tiny wins, they're really exciting and... Mm. and, yeah I guess that's what keeps you doing it yeah isn't it? absolutely and I think as well like especially when we start to see teenagers um, and girls being put on the pill and no one's actually telling them about um, the effect on their copper levels and their cortisol levels and so they get anxiety and then they don't know why yeah and so really you know helping how they're going to manage that Yes. You know, because there are, if they want to stay on the pill, there's herbs we can give to help the cortisol levels. So just um, when, yeah, people are not feeling good and they're going in the wrong direction, Mm. things are moving all in the wrong direction. Um, And I think mental health mood is a big, big one. Yes. That we improve a lot. Oh, I think we're going to have to do another podcast because there's so much more to say. (laughs) But I'll just ask my final question now. If you could recommend two things that people could do to improve their well-being, what would they be? Um, The top two. The top two. (laughs) It's hard. Okay. Okay, so I think my top two would be the first would be whole food eating and sleeping. Mm-hmm. So those having those two things. And actually my second is um, questioning our thinking all the time because it drives brilliant. our behaviour. Yeah, brilliant. So, yeah. And Tim? Uh, I'm going to cheat because <laughs> I'm going to say it's a given that you move a little bit more and you're eating a whole food diet because this is what we're always told and it's okay. you know it's true it's it's, so it's good those so boxes they're, are ticked they're, they're so ticked. what what next so i'm going to actually say um come in and get a really thorough che- a health checkup you know get some lab markers done get a history taken yeah. have a look at your symptoms have a look at under that bonnet that we're sort yeah. of talking about look um, after yourself yeah yeah mm. and really see get someone to interpret all of this information really carefully and you know with the breaders and stuff it's a cognoscopy you know it's a, a much more extensive but yeah we're still looking under and seeing what you <clears throat> seeing what your risk factors are and the other one i'm going to say is um, valuing your family and your relationships mm. and taking the time to spend with them uh, are, are really enjoying that being in the present moment like I've got a little boy and I, I like with all the clinical stuff and other work that I do you sometimes forget to be mm. in the moment with him and that's really special and that comes back to that social connection I think that's such a huge driver in well-being as well yeah I agree and they grow up so quickly thank you both so much for coming on the podcast and i think we're going to have to schedule another one <laughs> thanks so much yeah, thank amanda you. Thank for you. having us that was maria harpus and tim yeager of natural health medicine the podcast was longer than usual because we had so much to say you can connect with them via their website and i will put a link to that in the show notes You will also find the two books about Alzheimer's that we mention on the books page of my website. And just very quickly, the story about how I met Tim. When I was away overseas recently and my 18-year-old son was at home, a faulty appliance in the kitchen led him to calling the fire brigade at 3am in the morning. Tim not only saved our kitchen, but he calmed the nerves of my son 
and he's also become a friend and obviously a guest on this podcast. You can subscribe to Amanda's Wellbeing Podcast on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button and while you're there, click on the bell to be alerted when new episodes are available. You can also subscribe on your favourite podcast app like iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify or Google Podcast. And you can follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Direct links to all social media can be found on the subscribe page of my website at www.amandaswellbeingpodcast.com. If you would like to contact me, you can send me a message via the contacts page on my website. Please feel free to suggest topics that you'd like to learn more about and I'll do my best to deliver that to you. Finally, please take a minute to leave a rating on iTunes. It improves visibility and will inspire me to keep sourcing excellent guests for you. Thank you for tuning in. Eat well, move well, think well.